тіло заховає під балахон. Я надягну на очі капішон. Я обираю чорний, ну і що? Я розпочинаю своє шоу. Пані та панове, етенші, сьогодні буде вау. Ні більше, ні менше. Серій гіпнозу по залишеним заявкам. Звіни дійду всіх напасти наша бабадарка. Підходьте до екранів і беріть дітей. Несе вам снаба іску, прометей. Така тільки у нас і більш нідай нема. Її вам передай, стара нема. А потім на картах таро розкладе вам володарка темряве іра. Коли там весілля вагітність, автобізнес плани у спадок квартира. Welcome everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Act, Protect, Engage Academy podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mr. Chase H. Alright, we have a current events episode premiering today. Right now, we're going to be talking about how the U.S. is affecting the war in Ukraine. Alright, now I don't know if this is a you know highly reported part of the war but the u.s is highly involved in changing the tide turning the tide toward the ukraine all right against russia so quick shout out to ukrainian hip-hop artist alyana alyana hopefully she is okay hopefully she got out of the country um this is one of her hit songs Okay, so we're featuring her on a podcast, kind of give you guys a sense of how Ukraine has been changing over the years and kind of embracing hip-hop and Western culture. God bless you guys. Hope you enjoy the episode today. Ape. All right, welcome back, guys. Quick shout out to Alyana. Alyana, thank you so much for producing some great Ukrainian hip hop. I'm a big fan. Okay, so we want to recognize our sponsors, which is us. <laughs> we are our own sponsor for this season of the Act Protect Engage podcast. Please remember, we're on all social media platforms Facebook, Ape Defensive Solutions. Twitter at a underscore defensive, TikTok, Ape Academy Pod, and also Instagram. We have a new Instagram page. Our last one was taken over by Instagram and deleted. Okay, they're hating on us, but we have a new Instagram page, Ape Academy Podcast. Okay, please also turn on your post notifications because if you do, and you're sitting around. You're watching 600 pound life and you hear bing then you know that a new <laughs> well you might know if you check your banner on the top of the screen it might say ape academy podcast that's how you know a new episode is now streaming all right we're on all podcast platforms and you probably know this because you're listening so please continue to support us we really appreciate it and if you turn on, or I'm sorry, if you subscribe, okay, or write a review, or even rate us, whether it be four stars, five stars, that works too. It will go a long way toward pushing up, pushing us up the rankings, okay? Thank you so much. All right, so today we're doing a Act, Protect, Engage current events episode. It's entitled, How the U.S. is Affecting the War in Ukraine. Okay, and we're using two pri uh, two primary sources. Well, they're not primary sources, but two sources 
primarily for this podcast, okay? The New York Times and CBS News, okay? Both of these outlets have done a really good job um, presenting a big picture of the war in Ukraine, specifically how the United States is affecting the war, how our intelligence, how our support, our military aid has really begun to kind of turn the tide against Russian forces in certain parts of Ukraine, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right, we're not going to spend too much time boring you with, with, you know, really, really minute details. Really, the goal of this podcast episode is to present kind of a broad picture of how U.S. support is helping Ukrainians fight Russians more effectively, specifically targeting and killing high-ranking Russian generals and also just general officers, okay? So U.S. intelligence has been key in helping Ukrainian forces identify Russian units on the battlefield, and also it has been helping them track the movements of Russian commanders. And this allows Ukraine to kind of zoom in, narrow kind of narrow their focus on where these key figures are located and then either, you know, conduct a strike, whether it be artillery, you know, missile strike, drone strike, or even a uh, a targeted attack to try to eliminate that Russian uh, officer. And we'll talk about how Russian forces are organized in a way that is really, really important that general officers become really hands-on, and that's not a very effective way to run any modern military force. All right, so we're going to go over some key points. First things first, the U.S. has provided intelligence about Russian units, and this intelligence has really allowed Ukrainians to target and assassinate many Russian generals who have been KIA, in the Ukrainian war. And this is according to senior American officials, okay? So obviously they're not gonna go on the record. This is off the record. But according to the New York Times, intelligence provided by the United States of America has led to the assassination of a few high-ranking Russian generals, all right? Ukraine claims to have killed 12 generals on the front lines, which is a shockingly high number. And this targeting is a part of a highly classified project by the Biden administration to provide Ukraine with real-time battlefield intelligence. This intelligence includes anticipated troop movements. And these troop movements are gathered from American assessments of secret Russian battle plans. All right, so as you guys might or might not know, America has assets all over the world, right? We have intelligence gathering assets. We have human assets. We have satellites, right? We have intercepted communications. There are all type of things that the American intelligence apparatus uses to collect data about their enemies, right? So that's what we're doing. We're using our assets to kind of Mm, decipher or intercept Russian battle plans, okay? Especially in eastern Ukraine, in the Donbas region, uh, region of eastern Ukraine. 
So these American officials have really, you know, publicly declined to speculate on the exact numbers of Russian generals believed to have been killed because of U.S. assistance, but it's believed that the numbers are pretty high, okay? But officially, the U.S. has been focused on providing the location and other details of the Russians' mobile headquarters, which frequently moves to avoid detection and targeting. So, officially, on the record, the United States has admitted that they are providing Ukraine intelligence on where Russian, uh, where the Russian headquarters is moving because the Russian military apparatus is set up in a way that their headquarters is actually extremely mobile, right? They need their high-ranking officers as close to the front line as possible, right? So they're pretty much moving their headquarters constantly from place to place in order to avoid Ukraine targeting and destroying, you know, most of their your, their, their leadership, right? So they're moving from place to place, and the U.S. has been trying to help Ukraine figure out where they're going to be next, anticipate where they're going, and anticipate what their next move will be, okay? What is their, is their battle plan, right? How many secrets can we reveal using our intelligence assets, right? Whatever we get, whatever American sources gather, we quickly give it over to the Ukraine to use however they see fit. We're not going to tell them, you know, if we're like, hey, uh, Krush, uh, Nikoli Vasev or whatever is going to be in this region, hey, we're just letting you guys know. I mean, we're not going to tell you what to do, but he's going to be there at 3 o'clock p.m., right? Wipe our hands of it. We're just telling you. It's not our call whether you guys send a missile, send a drone, bomb them. Hey, it's not our problem, right? It's not our, not our concern, right? So that's what we've been doing lately. Let's see, what else can we talk about? So, what's going on with the Ukrainians, right? Ukrainian officials have combined real-time info, right? Like the uh, U.S. predictions of where mobile headquarters is going to be, where the Russian mobile headquarters is moving to. So, that's real-time intelligence. That's actually happening in real-time. They're giving Ukrainians updates constantly on what the Russians are doing. So they're using real-time intelligence that they gather from their own sources combined with real-time intelligence from the Americans, which includes intercepted Russian communications. And this gives Ukrainian units a heads up when a senior Russian official enters the battle space. And as soon as they, if they uh, get word that a Russian official is entering their battle space, they'll launch an artillery strike or targeted attack, and that has really been effective in killing off many high-ranking Russian officers. This intelligence sharing is part of a beefed-up U.S. military aid program, including heavier weapons and tens of billions of dollars in aid. We are really making some contractors rich. I know, I know for a fact, whatever military contracting company can secure some of these lucrative, you know, aid contracts, you know, providing drones, missiles, stinger missiles, whatever, they are making a crap ton of money from this war. All right. 
And, uh, you know, it's apparent that U.S. intelligence has had a dramatic impact on the battlefield. And it's been confirming suspected targets and pointing to new potential targets. All right? So U.S. intelligence has really, really changed the course of the war so far. You know, when it first started, people were thinking that Russia was really just going to sweep into Ukraine, crush their forces, take the capital, and pretty much, you know, incorporate Ukraine back into the Russian Republic. It didn't happen that way. You know, they encountered a lot of initial, you know, success. But as you'll, you'll hear later in the episode, actually, the U.S. tipped off Ukraine a little bit before the invasion started, and that allowed them to push back. It allowed them to not fold under the Russian advance because they had a little bit of advance notice. So they're able to rush forces to certain key positions in order to prevent Russia from simply steamrolling over them and pushing straight to the capital and then, you know, capturing the capital. As long as your capital is still standing, you know, there's still hope that, you know, the Ukrainian forces can can rally, regroup, and counterattack and push the Russians back. And that's pretty much what they've been doing. Since failing to capture the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv in the initial phases of the invasion, Russian forces have regrouped and have coordinated advances into eastern Ukraine. But so far, that advance has stalled out due in part to increased foreign aid to Ukrainian forces. The Biden administration has attempted to keep much of their battlefield intelligence secret out of fear of provoking Vladimir Putin into escalating the war. But intelligence agencies have used a variety of sources to include commercial satellites to trace Russian troop movements. Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III said last month that, quote, we want to see Russia weakened to the degree it cannot do the kind of things it has done in invading Ukraine. Not a great quote, but I see what he's saying. Pentagon spokesman John F. Kirby has also acknowledged that the United States provides, quote, Ukraine with information and intelligence that they can use to defend themselves. Officially, Adrian Watson, a National Security Council spokeswoman, said in a statement that the battlefield intelligence was not provided to Ukraine, quote, with the intent to kill Russian generals. Of course, they're not going to say that <laughs> they're providing intelligence to kill Russian generals, but it is a fact that has been confirmed that Russian intel uh, Russian, U.S. intelligence has been key, has been crucial in helping Ukraine predict where Russian generals are going to be, and it has been key in giving them a heads up as to when they're entering certain battle spaces, okay? But not all strikes have been carried out with American help. Over the weekend, which was, uh, I guess this was about two weekends ago now, I was actually posted, uh, supposed to do this podcast last week, but I got super busy. Over the weekend, that's two weekends ago, in eastern Ukraine, a strike targeted Russia's highest-ranking uniformed officer. But the U.S. prohibits itself from striking against the most senior Russian leaders themselves so they will not target the highest leaders like the high like the joint chiefs in the u.s they won't target the highest but they'll provide ukraine intelligence so that they can decipher who to strike right 
So what type of intelligence, what type of, of aid are we giving them? The U.S. routinely provides information about the movement of Russian troops and equipment. They also provide assistance with confirming the location of critical targets. Other NATO allies give real-time intelligence to the Ukrainian military as well. The Biden administration also provides new weaponry that, in, that improves Ukraine's ability to target officers. Let's give a few examples. For example, a smaller version of the switchblade drone, which is arri arriving on the battlefield, has been used to identify and kill individual soldiers and has the potential of eliminating a general who happens to be sitting stationary in a vehicle or a building near the front lines. Ukraine is using these switchblade drones as kind of anti-personnel uh, bombs, really, like grenades, like literally flying bombs. Tiny drones that can land and target an individual uh, vehicle or kill someone inside of a building, whether it be, you know, flying through a window. Both of those things. So it's a very, very effective weapon. Okay, so what else we're going to talk about here? Okay, I got it. American officials admit to giving Ukraine actionable intelligence in the run-up to Russia's invasion on February 24th. Like I said previously, right, they actually gave Ukraine a heads up before the invasion occurred, which allowed Ukraine to kind of beef up their forces in certain areas. Now, you're never going to be fully prepared for an invasion that happens that quickly, but you can at least rush reinforcements to protect key sites, right? And that's exactly what happened. Before the invasion, the U.S. warned of an impending attack on the airport north of Kiev. The warning gave Ukrainian forces time to prepare their defenses and ultimately hold the airfield. While the info from U.S. forces is valuable, Russian generals have shown a critical lack of OPSEC, right? OPSEC stands for Operational Security. Operational Security. And this has left themselves vulnerable to electronic eavesdropping by communicating over unsecured phones and radios. Quote, it shows poor discipline, lack of experience, arrogance, and a failure to appreciate Ukrainian capabilities, says F Frederick B. Hodges, a former U.S. Army commander in Europe. It is not hard to geolocate someone on a phone talking in the clear. So, let's talk about OPSEC for a second. OPSEC is something that they preached to us in Afghanistan, not only while we were in Afghanistan, but also in the lead up to Afghanistan, meaning you don't, you know, put on Facebook where you're going to be, where you're going to be deployed, what unit you're in, what province you're in, what your mission is, right? It's OPSEC, operational security. Anything we do when it comes to um, military operations, we have to keep in-house close to our chest so that the enemy doesn't get the drop on us, right? Doesn't get information that we don't want to provide. But Russian forces have shown recently that they really don't have a lot of experience. And they're really, they're not well trained and they're not well run. They're not well led. Because 
their generals are the ones that are communicating openly on unsecured phones using unsecured radios and telling people you know telling uh their subordinates over these unsecured uh networks where they're going to be what the plans are going to be which has allowed u.s intelligent uh intelligence gathering sort um sources to steal this information and provide it to the ukrainians which has given them a critical advantage all right russian military tactics are also to blame the top-down command structure leaves decision-making only to those at the very top of the totem pole. This forces Russian generals to make dangerous trips to the front lines in order to resolve basic logistical and operational problems. So you got a freaking four-star, the equivalent of a U.S. four-star, going to the front lines to fix confusion, to, to, you know, to clarify what the mission is, to make sure that everyone understands. There's no reason a top general should be on the front lines solving like basic logistical problems. That's why you have a chain of command. That's why you delegate tasks from the highest level and it goes down each level and gets disseminated to subordinates in a, a, a organized and concise way. But the Russian command structure is all jacked up. And this is really starting to show as their you know, offensive have, has really bogged down. Ukrainian Ukrainians are great fighters and they're courageous. They're they're dedicated. They're patriotic. They're fearless. But the Russian military machine is so much larger than theirs that this war really should be over, right? Is is it's a testament to the fighting skills and the fighting spirit of the Ukrainians, but also it's a testament to the ineptitude and incompetence of the Russians. All right, so this intelligence sharing is considered a safe form of aid because it is invisible or at least deniable, and that's the most important thing. Can you deny it? And so far, we haven't said openly that we've been providing any type of specific intelligence that has uh, targeted any Russian generals. All right, so let's talk about the military assistance that the U.S. is providing to Ukraine. We're talking about weapons now. All right, first thing on the list the javelin all right and i'm going to explain to you what these weapons are i'm going to give you a brief synopsis for all you nerds out there i'm not going to go into like the technical details like all oh, the geo the geo tracking is actually developed by i'm not going to do that i'm just going to provide a basic overview okay so the javelin the u.s has provided over 7,000 javelin anti-tank systems to ukraine the hallmark of the system is a top attack capability meaning the missile flies 150 meters into the air and strikes the tank or the target from above where the armor and protection is the thinnest javelins are easily transported their shoulder mounted weapon systems they're considered a fire and forget weapon so they use infrared guidance to find the target as soon as it is fired so that the operator can move immediately or can instantly prepare to fire another. All right, does that make sense? So basically you fire it once and it's done and you get another one. You fire it once and you move. You don't have to stand there and wait 20 minutes for someone to carry a huge shell and load it up. No, you shoot it and you move. And that allows the, Ukraine, the, um, 
outgunned, outmanned Ukrainian forces to strike quickly and make their escape. Okay? Let's talk about Stingers. Stinger anti-aircraft systems. And the Stinger has really, really turned the tide in the air war. You know, in the beginning of the war, Russia had pretty much complete control of the skies. You know, there were a few um, tales of brave Ukrainian aces who shot down a bunch of Russian MiGs and were, you know, holding off the Russians pretty much single-handedly. But it's really the Stinger anti-aircraft systems that have really done the most damage to the Russian Air Force, all right? So Stingers are portable surface-to-air missile systems designed specifically to shoot down aircraft. The missile's range can target planes and helicopters flying below 13,000 feet. Stingers also fire, or I'm sorry, Stingers are also a fire and forget weapon. They use infrared to guide the missiles to the target. So once you lock on and fire, the missile's out of there, and you do not have to sit there and wait around to see if it hits anything. The U.S. has provided over 1,400 1, Stinger missile systems to Ukraine. Tactical unmanned drones. That's what I was talking about with the switchblade drone. The U.S. has provided 100 tactical unmanned aerial systems. Switchblade drones from aero, aerovironment. Drones are considered kamikaze drones because they explode after hitting the target. There are two versions. The Switchblade 300, which targets personnel, right? So individual soldiers. And the Switchblade 600, which is specifically designed for destroying armored vehicles. So the 300 is an anti-personnel weapon. And the Switchblade 600 is an anti-armor weapon. All right? Also, last but not least, let's talk about the nitty-gritty the knuckle draggers, what the knuckle draggers on the ground, the infantryman or infantrywoman needs on the ground. The U.S. has provided 100 grenade launchers, 5,000 rifles, 1,000 pistols, 400 machine guns, 400 shotguns, 20 million rounds of small arms ammunition and grenade launcher rounds and mortars, 25,000 sets of body armor, and 25,000 helmets. I hope they're like the high-speed helmets, not the helmets we got in basic training, because those suck. Anyway, so this was a brief synopsis, a brief update on what the U.S. has done so far, what our contribution has been to the Ukrainian war effort. I know it might look like we're not doing much and we're just talking and we're just, you know, hoping and crossing our fingers and going on meaningless, you know, meetings and, and foreign relation trips, but we are sending real-time, real impactful military aid, weapons, okay, body armor, etc. And we're also providing crucial intelligence, which has really, really, you know, turned the tide, changed the course of the war in Ukrainians' favor. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode today. Let's keep praying for Ukraine. Let's keep hoping that they remain motivated and they eventually are able to defend their homeland and drive Russia out. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. We have more coming. All right. So this is just the beginning. Season two, 
of the At Protect Engage podcast is now streaming. Ape out. Дай куди тебе в дитинстві так манили вечірні вогні, наче перед церкалом в костюмах співали пісні. Peace out, y'all. See you next time. God bless you.